0: on page 31 Genesis chapter 40 just have that open if you're just visiting with us today we are in the middle of a series and I'm hoping that all of you have taken the time either to be here every week during the series or gone back and looked online and downloaded those messages and listened to those messages Every once in a while, a series comes along that is very life-changing. This is one of those series, and I, I don't want you to miss that. Because there's times in our lives that we don't really understand what's going on in our life. We may not understand the past. We may not understand presently what's going on. And I think you'll find if you go back, if you haven't, go back and go through the booklet again. Go back and go through all the scripture readings again. Go back and listen to those messages once again, because I think you're going to be probably be surprised at how insightful it is about what God has been doing and what God is doing currently in your life. And this has been so incredible. I just hope that you take the journey, because it probably will change your future and how you look at the future, what you do in the future, how you deal with the, the daily things that you're encountering, and what does it mean overall for you? Well, let's dive right in. We're gonna look at um, the scriptures here in Genesis chapter 40. It's what Tige preached on last week. Find verse 14. Joseph was, was speaking and he says this, "'But when all goes well with you, "'remember me and show me kindness. "'Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison.' Now, if you remember, he had interpreted two dreams, one for a cupbearer and the other for a baker, two of Pharaoh's servants. And when he got done, and he said to the cupbearer, You're gonna go back into Pharaoh's presence. You're gonna be in you're gonna be with Pharaoh in three days. Please don't forget about me. Would you please tell Pharaoh what I did? Because I'm wrongly in prison and only he can get me out of here. Well, jump down to the end of that, ver- uh, end of that chapter, last verse, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Just put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. That was his only hope. I mean, the chief cupbearer, I mean, the guy that's with Pharaoh, that anything that Pharaoh wants to drink, he has to drink first, and there's a trust, a very intimate trust between you and Pharaoh, so he can speak to Pharaoh like no one else because he's actually around Pharaoh more than anybody else. And so he's always with the Pharaoh, and now he's with Joseph, and Joseph knows hey, you're going right back. Man, you've got his ear. Just please don't forget about me. And he does. Not coincidentally. Verse, chapter 41, verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. We're going to come back to this. But there's a reason why God let us know from the time that he was with the cupbearer till the time of where we are now in chapter 41, there's been two years. God was doing something in Joseph's life over those last two years. Getting Joseph ready. And it's very important that we understand what was going on in those, li- in those years and what God was up to. Okay, so Pharaoh has his dream at the end of verse 1. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed, grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside them on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. I don't think you've ever seen an ugly, gaunt cow. Not in America. I'll tell you what, when we lived in Guatemala, that's all we saw. See, let's put this in perspective. What we saw in Guatemala is that when You saw a cow you could see his spine or her spine and it looked like a caved-in shoulder and then you could see every rib on their body you could see their bones and their legs I mean you looked at these cows and you were just like you wanted to put them out of their misery I mean it was really that bad well God uses that picture and gives it to Pharaoh And says, all right, you got these seven really ugly, gaunt, thin cows. And they eat up these really healthy, fat, overweight cows that we love to eat on our steaks, right? We had it last night. It was awesome. And they ate them up. And when they ate them up, they still look just as fat, I mean, just as thin and ugly as before. Okay, get the dream? Well, here's another dream like it. Verse 5, he fell asleep again and had a second dream, seven heads of grain. Healthy and good were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Okay, we're going to pause there for a minute. You know what's amazing with God is that God speaks to us through dreams. Do you know that He does this regularly? God talks about in the scriptures that He speaks in our dreams. Every night when you go to bed, God is allowed to speak to you in a pure form because you're not going anywhere in a car, you're not working, you're not running, you're not racing, you're not watching TV. It's just you sleeping. And that's when God does amazing things and speaks to us. And you know, the researchers tell us that we dream every night. And many of those are God consoling us, God directing us, God leading us. Do you ever, when you go to bed, say, God, speak to me through the night? I hope you do. Just say, God, you got me all night, every night. You got all my attention. Speak to me. What is it that you want me to know? What is it that you want me to learn? What is it that you want to do in my life while I'm resting? Well, let's go back to verse 1. When two full years had passed, what was the significance of those two years? Let's go back in our dream process, okay? Let's bring you back to speed all the way back from the beginning. If you remember, the first step in a dream is that God gives a dream, and oftentimes we discover the dream that God gave to us. The second step in the process is moving out of our comfort zone. Think about a young bird that's in the nest, that if the young bird doesn't get out of the nest, eventually the mother will just throw them out of the nest so that they can go out and do what they're supposed to do. Sometimes God does the same with us. Do you realize that? Sometimes you'll sit in the coziness of your nest and say, I'm really comfortable here. And God's saying, but this is my dream for you. And you're sitting there. And sometimes a catastrophe happens in your life that you can't make any sense out of. God just takes you and throws you out of the nest. And it gets your attention that you say, oh, oh, now what what do I have to do now? Sometimes you do it willingly by taking that step of faith. Sometimes God just moves you out. And then when we move out of our comfort zone, a lot of times we're going to face bullies because when we get out of our comfort zone and start to follow the dream that God gave to us, it affects the people around us. And when it disrupts them, a lot of times they're like, why do you want to do that? No, don't do that. You can't do that. You're not good at that. Stop doing that. Why? Because it changes their life. And they just want you to go back and do what you did before because then the boat gets very stable again instead of becoming very rocky. If you make it through that bully stage, there's the next stage that Ty talked about last week. I want to I want to reiterate a couple things. I want to make sure you understand the wilderness. Because if you don't understand the wilderness, you won't understand today in the process. God puts us in the wilderness. Because God has things that he needs to teach us. Can you picture an orange for a minute? Okay, just picture an orange. Now squeeze it. What happens? Tell me, what happens? Okay, it drips. What comes out of it? Juice. Actually, what comes out of it is whatever was in it, right? All right, when you're in the wilderness, it's like you're getting squeezed and things are coming out of you. And they're not pretty things that are coming out of you. And God knows that. Because sometimes there's things deep within us that we're denying, that we're hiding, there's sin, there's whatever, and God will squeeze us and it comes out. And God's like, oh good, now we can deal with it. Let's deal with that junk. Because God knows that that junk will hinder us from accomplishing what God wants later on. And so he brings us in the wilderness But here's what we go through, okay? When you're in the wilderness, oftentimes you feel abandoned by God. You feel broken, brokenhearted, worn down, discouraged, tired, wounded, hurt, beat up. Somebody said it this way. You've endured hardship of body, mind, and spirit. That's the wilderness. Anybody see either on TV or go to Frankenmuth to see those ice sculptures? Anybody? All right, good. Let me just explain for those of you who didn't. Uh, They take uh, four tons of snow and then they pack it really tight and then guys from all over the world, men and women from all over the world, came in and they began to take that and they began to carve whatever they want to carve. Do you realize that's the wilderness? God, in our hardness, God begins to chisel away chip away in the wilderness, you're being squeezed, you're being chipped, you're being formed, you're being fashioned. I mean, when you get done with the process, if you could ask the ice, how did that feel? (laughs) They'd never want to go through it again, would they? Even though the end product was amazing, but it was the process that they would never want to go through again because it was so painful. Do you realize That's our wilderness. But after God takes us through that wilderness and accomplishes everything God wants to accomplish, are you ready for the dream then? No, you're not. That's what today is about. See, Joseph, when he interpreted those dreams, had to think along the way about his own dreams. Years earlier, about 11 years earlier. And he was remembering his dreams, going, wait, I had these dreams. They didn't come to anything. You have a dream, and you wait three days, and you get put right back, and the other one died. But he must have thought about that. And then he must have wrestled for those two years. But something significant was happening during those two years. Here's what happens. Here's the next step, what we're talking about today. When you've gone through the wilderness in your life, there's some things that you need. You need healing. You need healing in your life. You need rest in your life. And you need restoration, those three things. You need healing? Your heart's been broken? You've hurting, you're struggling? Think about just think of it this way. A lot of us have experienced when somebody that we love dies, and after they die, are you ready to just move right on? No. You need healing. You need rest. You may even need restoration from that. Because it's so easy in the wilderness to get angry at God, and God begins to become very distant during the wilderness. And I'm convinced that a lot of people in the wilderness, somewhere along the way, they just say, I've had it. And they walk away from God. Most people that leave the church, it has nothing to do with the church. It has to do with something in their life they got upset with God about. They were in the wilderness. And instead of hanging in there with God during the wilderness, they just walked away. And so what happens like in those last two years, there was restoration going on. It was a time when you start restoring your relationship with God. You start growing in that relationship with God. You start loving God again, even though you've been through maybe a very bad time in your life. And you start getting the healing, the scars. You stop focusing on the scars. You start focusing on the relationship. And you you begin to make sense of everything that God was doing. And it's because of that healing time, that restoration time, that restful time, that now you're ready for the next step, which we're going to talk about next week. Because let's go on now, okay? With that in mind, let's go on. I want you to jump down to verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I can't do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Now I want you to pause there. Is this the same Joseph you knew at 17? Not at all. The arrogance of Joseph at 17, the in-your-face Joseph at 17, I can do anything, I can do everything, I can do whatever I want to because I've got my father's favor. And now the first words out of Joseph's mouth before the Pharaoh is, I can't do it. But I know who can. God can. See, you know what this says? And then you'll see it. His relationship with God became very close again. He was restored in that relationship with God. And he says, but God will do this. So then Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream. Now jump down. Verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. What's the next word? God. There it is again. He's talking about God. God has revealed to Joseph what he is about to do. Now, you do remember, don't you, that the Pharaoh is not a godly man. Doesn't believe in God. Remember who he called to interpret the dream? The wise men and the magicians. And Joseph is standing before the Pharaoh, and he's talking to him about God. And about what God's going to do for Pharaoh. Pharaoh and about God is going to interpret those dreams and give Pharaoh the answer that he's looking for. God's going to do that for Pharaoh. Can you imagine everybody around them? Who who is this guy? He's talking all about God. It's because in those last two years, God was restoring him, and he was ready to go. So then Joseph said to Pharaoh, verse 25, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, seven good heads of grain are seven years, it's one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It's just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. It's amazing. It's amazing. You can just hear in Joseph, his relationship with God has been restored. He's not angry with God about being in prison or in slavery for 13 years. He is now rested. He's ready to go. He's ready for whatever God has for him in that next step. And Pharaoh doesn't reject it because it's of God. In fact, Pharaoh listens to it in amazement. See, there's something else I just want to point out. During that time that you're resting... There's a Bible verse that came to mind that was very meaningful for me this week. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11, 28. You can look it up. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Isn't that awesome? See, after that wilderness experience, God says, all right, come rest. Come into a relationship with me. I'll give you the rest you're looking for. I'll give you the healing you're looking for. And that time is a time that God's getting us ready for the next big step. Here's one more thing I want you to realize. That in the process of Joseph, God's doing something bigger. That's where God is so incredible. God was using this experience in Joseph's life so that Joseph could bring God right into Egypt as the second in command. We'll, we'll look at that next week. So Joseph was ready to go, and God places him in that position. But you realize God had one more dream over and above that. God's dream was he had to get the Israelites down to Egypt. That was God's plan. That was God's will. Because then he was going to take the Israelites through the wilderness To get them ready for the next part of that dream so here's where god is so incredible that you may look at your life and not make sense sometimes out of your life go back and look at this all the series god may reveal to you where are you in the process did you abandon god in the wilderness have you never taken the time to say god what's your dream for me and god's waiting to reveal it and you just haven't ever taken the time Are you facing the bullies and giving up? God isn't giving up. Because you see, in the midst of working with us, what we don't know is is what's the bigger dream. And you and I are part of that dream. And the day that God is done with your dream is when you'll go to heaven. So by virtue that you are alive, you need to, Keep seeking God in God's will and his dream and his plans for you to accomplish in this world. And then when it's over, then we'll be off to God in heaven and we'll look back and that's when we'll go, oh, now I get it, but I couldn't see it. Friends, that's faith. Faith says even though I don't see it and I don't understand it, I trust it. You know, it's been interesting. Um, I want you to just look at Messiah for a moment. Let's go back a few years, okay? Built the expansion, awesome. Pastor Greg leaves. Where did Messiah go? In a wilderness. Absolutely. When I came, even in my own life, it was a long wilderness time, let me tell you. It just never, I don't know, I just never factored in how hard it would be leaving family. So there's that wilderness time. So here's me going through wilderness. Here's Messiah going through wilderness. And yet in the midst of all that, God was fulfilling dreams. The coffee house was a dream that's been here for years. And in just a few weeks we should be opening up Journeys 2 on Main Street. That's part of God's dream to save more people. Isn't that awesome? See, it's incredible how God uses individuals and churches and community, and God's doing all of these things all at the same time, and you and I sometimes can't see it. Pastor Tighe leaves Texas, goes through about a two-year wilderness time. God restores him back in ministry. God brings him here because God has a greater dream for him to follow in starting restoration fellowship. In fact, that's where Pastor Tige is today. He's going to another church in Freeland, a new church plant, to learn and grow so that he knows what God wants him to do. So you see, even in the midst of Pastor Tige's life, And how are we a part of that process? And how is restoration fellowship a part of that process? How are you a part of that process? Isn't it incredible when you sit back and you look at what God does? And God was instrumental every step of the way. Well, let's go on. We're almost done here. Verse 33. Joseph is very bold here and he says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Do you realize that Joseph should have been beheaded for his boldness? You don't speak to the Pharaoh and tell the Pharaoh what to do. You don't do that. And yet God was working in Pharaoh's life so that Joseph knew what God wanted the Pharaoh to do and for Joseph to do. And what Joseph didn't realize is that he was writing his own job description and what needs to happen and that's where we're going to end today because next week we're going to talk about that next step is the realization of that dream that God has and friends this is why we're it's an exciting time here because as a church we're about to realize dreams you know when I came here three years ago I can't tell you how many times people came up to me and said you know we have a dream for Freeland. You know we have a dream for Freeland. You know we have a dream for Freeland. See, that dream was here long ago. And then God used the wilderness of Tighe to bring him here to fulfill another dream that God had for him and for us and a dream that he instilled years ago. That's where you, you have to sit back and marvel at how God works. What about you? So I want to change this for a minute. Because I think you and I have to come to grips here with a couple things. As I've done some real soul searching my life, this last week as I've been preparing for this, just ask yourself some of these questions. Is there anything hindering you from accomplishing God's dream? What does God want you to change before you can go on? Are there any sins, hurts, habits, hang-ups? Is there anything preventing you from accomplishing God's dream for you? Here's the hard one. Are you willing to do what it takes to be healed before you proceed? That one's a hard one, I'll tell you that, that one's really hard, because that may mean counseling, that may mean going to celebrate recovery, that may mean telling somebody about what's really going on in your life, that may mean going to get help from somebody and not being so private, saying you know what, it's time that I start inviting others to help me because I'm struggling with this. And pride gets in the way. Boy, let me tell you, pride gets in the way because it's so hard to admit, wow, I need help. Are you willing to do that? What will you do today to get the help and healing that you need to take that next step? I hope you realize that God's desire is to heal you. God wants you to be whole. God wants to fill you and use you. God wants to give you joy and hope and encouragement. And it may be something in you that's holding you back from experiencing that. I want you to turn to one more Bible verse with me. Isaiah chapter 52, or 53, on page 523. I really want you to look at this. Isaiah 53, verse 5. On page 523, this was a prophecy that was written about Jesus. Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Now would you say the last part with me? And by his wounds, you are healed. It was because Christ had to suffer and die that you and I could be healed. And he knew that. He gave up his life so that you could be healed. So that you could be free to dream, free to accomplish everything that God wants for you. So just pause, ask yourself, where are you in this journey? You've been given a half sheet of paper and the reason why we gave you a half sheet of paper and it's blank is because we wanted to give you an opportunity to communicate with God. We want you to be honest with God. I want you to take just a few moments and jot some things down. It could be, God, I don't know what my dream is. Help me. It could be, God, I'm in the wilderness, and I hate it. It could be, God, I'm really struggling, and I need help, and I need healing. It could be, God, I'm starting to realize my dream, and I need strength and, and encouragement. It could be, God, I'm facing bullies in my life, and I don't know how to handle that. And write whatever you want to write. Just between you and God, nobody's going to read them. And what we want you to do is is after you come up for communion, feel free to bring them up on the altar. You can go around the altar. Just lay them on the altar. Do you know in the Old Testament what the altar was for? Animals were sacrificed on that altar to say to God, I'm sorry. And the aroma from the altar would go up like a barbecue, and God would smell the barbecue and go, ah. Somebody else is repenting. And so all of these things that we're writing today, we're going to bring them up to the altar as like incense rising up to God. The Bible tells us that the angels gather together, I love this image, they gather together our prayers and then they continually offer them up to our Father in heaven. Isn't that awesome? So it's a time for you to write whatever you want to to be honest with God about where you are about what God wants you to do, and then after you take communion, come on up. Some of you may need to bring a rose up, and maybe you need to take that first step and say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Here's my life. We're going to take a few moments to pray, and so I'll just, um, I'll give us a time of quietness, and Dave, if you would play, and give you the chance to pray, and then I'll close us. Let's pray. God, you're an amazing God and you do amazing things in our lives and even things that we don't understand and don't make sense are part of a larger plan. God, today we just want to tell you we're sorry for our sin and we ask you to please forgive us. Jesus, thank you that it was by your wounds that we're healed. It's by your wounds that we're forgiven. It's by your sacrifice that we have forgiveness and eternal life. And we're forever grateful for that. God, today we just need to communicate with you. So we're just going to take some moments and write down some things in our heart and bring those here. And we'll bring them up when we're ready. Father, we just pray that you would just listen. Thank you for the grace that you give to us and the love that you give to us. And that we can tell you whatever is on our hearts and you always listen. So Lord, bless us today, keep us really close to you, and help every person to find that rest, and healing, and restoration with you. We ask this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses